It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, I'm taking a stab at it. The final depth chart projections for the Auburn Tigers. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. We are talking about the depth chart on the show today, the final depth chart projection that we will do before the season starts, which will be here before you know it. A lot of players have already been told where they are in the eyes of the coaching staff and where they are situationally in the depth chart. We've talked to a few of those folks. A few of those reports have been made known on message boards as well. And so we collected some of these and we will now discuss them. Starting with, of course, the quarterback position. If you listen to the show consistently, I, I don't think the message has changed a whole lot in the last few weeks ever since... We kind of all came to the realization that TJ Finley was leading the way in the quarterback battle. I don't really see anything since then that has changed. I know a lot of Auburn fans are very high on Robbie Ashford. I think it's very easy to see his upside, and I agree with you, but this is TJ Finley's job to lose at this point. And look, a lot of you guys are saying, hey, well, I think he is going to lose it. There's certainly a chance of that. I don't think, I don't know if that's as likely as you think it's going to be, but I do agree with you that it certainly, certainly is an option. So I have TJ Finley at QB1. At QB2, I have Robbie Ashford. And then at QB3, I have Zach Calzada. It will be interesting to see if Auburn releases any sort of official depth chart, how they potentially rank these three quarterbacks. I wouldn't be shocked if it was Zach Calzada, QB2, Robbie Ashford, QB3 because they plan to use Robbie Ashford in more of like a wildcat role or a gadget role or some sort of, you know, have packages drawn up for Robbie Ashford. Still, I think you can totally do that in regards to him being your second quarterback, but I have talked to some folks that think that that is an interesting thing to follow, and so I think it's worth passing along to you guys. At running back, I don't think there's any surprise here. Tank Bixby as RB1. RB2, Jarquez Hunter, and then Damari Austin passing Sean Jackson to be RB3, Sean Jackson being RB4, and then for the fifth running back, if you want to go that far, it's probably Jordan Ingram. Seeing a few folks kind of point out that Austin has had a better fall camp than Jarquez Hunter, I I don't know if that's entirely true. I think it's definitely been more interesting, and I think newer guys hear their names more often because that's the newest and interesting thing, and that's who reporters are asking about. But right now, I think Jarquez Hunter is solidly the number two running back with Damari Austin being the number three running back. But as we talked about on this show before, it will be fun to see what the market share looks like. What percentage? Obviously, Tank Bigsby is who every Auburn fan wants to get the majority of the touches. But what does that look like? Is it 50%? Is it 60%? And then after that, let's say it is 60% of the touches. Does Jarquez and Damari split at 20%? 20%? What does that balance look like? I, I can't wait to see. I bet it's close. 
I bet the split between Jarquez and Damari Austin is close, and then Sean Jackson may get some in there as well. Looking at wide receiver, let's start with the Z. Talk to some folks close to the wide receiver room, and it sounds like Coy Moore, for the time being, Coy Moore has passed Malcolm Johnson Jr. on the depth chart. This surprised me a little bit, not because I don't think Coy Moore is talented enough to do it, but because we just haven't seen Coy Moore with the ones in that role consistently. It's been Malcolm Johnson Jr. all fall, and we've heard nothing but really positive things <laughs> about Malcolm Johnson Jr. But I was told Coy Moore was told he would be with the ones passing Malcolm Johnson Jr., but I was also told uh, Coy Moore is going to have to sit out for a few days of practice, so we'll see how that impacts everything. It's not an injury. He's going to be fine. It's just he's got to sit out for a little bit. We'll see what happens there. The, the H wide receiver, so this is your slot, right? Tavares Dawson at one, Javaris Johnson at two. I haven't seen anything to really change my mind on any of these guys. Look, Tavares Dawson has had a really, really good fall camp, and I think Javaris Johnson can help this team in other ways, and we'll get to that in just a moment. The last wide receiver group, I think they're going to run a lot of three wide receiver sets. Um, Shedrick Jackson, then Camden Brown, then Zevion Capers. I don't know how much action Zevion Capers can get as the third X, especially behind Shedrick and Camden, but we will have to see. Can't wait to see what the balance is between rotating wide receivers in. I don't know if it's going to be as much as what Auburn fans want. I think Shedrick Jackson is going to play a ton. He's played a ton ever since he's really been a starter in this offense, despite not getting a whole lot of targets and a whole lot of receptions. He's still on the field a ton. And so if they're going to take him off the field to put Camden Brown on, that would be something that they didn't do a whole lot last year. Now, they didn't have a guy like Camden Brown to sub in for Shedrick Jackson, but once again, that is a, that is a situation worth monitoring. And let's wrap up the skill positions here. Tied in is John Samuel Shanker, then Tyler Fromm and Luke Dealer behind him. That's, that's straightforward, right? I don't, I don't think that's surprising really anyone. Okay, offensive line is interesting. So I've got two guys at each offensive line position. And then I've got two guys kind of pulled to the side that may actually be the true backups anywhere. So I'll, I'll explain what I mean as we go. So Austin Troxel, the starting right tackle. I have Colby Smith behind him. At right guard, I have Keandre Jones as a starter with Jaleel Irvin behind him. At center, I have Tate Johnson with Avery Jernigan behind him. No Nick Brahms. At left guard, I have Cam Stutz and then Brandon Council behind him, and a left tackle, Killian Dyer, and then Brendan Coffey behind him. To the side over here, I have Alec Jackson and Jeremiah Wright. I think if a guard goes down, there's just a solid chance, with the exception of Brandon Council, but like Alec Jackson, we've seen him at guard and tackle. I think he'd be more likely to go in at right tackle for, say, like over, over Colby Smith. I don't know if he would go in over coffee or not. I think that's an interesting conversation. But I think both of these guys, we've seen Jeremiah Wright move around consistently. Brian Harson has said nothing but incredible things about Jeremiah Wright, even though he's been 
Defense, offense, defense, offense. It sounds like he wants to be on the offense because he wants to get on the field. And I think Brian Harson respects the heck out of that because it's what's best for the team. So I think that was pretty cool. But I think Alec Jackson has a role in this offensive line. Maybe not as a starter, but I do think he has a role in some form or fashion because it's just tough to keep all five offensive linemen healthy, especially when you look at the guys that have been up here. I mean, Austin Troxel's battled injury. Keandre Jones has battled injury. Tate Johnson is extremely undersized right now. We'll see how his development goes. Brandon Council's battled injury. And so there's just a lot of question marks regarding health to all of this. All right, who are the starters on the defense? And what do I think that rotation will look like? I'll tell you in just a moment, right here on Locked On Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports. Action. Look, week zero is just days, just days away. Look, I know you want to put some money down on Vanderbilt versus Hawaii. Come on, make sure you're ready to go. Just search bet online, whether it's on your computer or your smartphone. Personally, I think the smartphone is even easier to use and is obviously convenient on the go. So check it out. Just search bet online, it'll pop up. And check out all the lines, all the props, everything that they have to offer. It's top-notch. It's elite. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, let's look at the defense. Now, at nose tackle, I have Jason Jones as the starter and Jeffrey Embaugh behind him. Now, before we move on, there's a lot of different things the defensive line can do from an alignment standpoint. You know, I've seen some folks that list out their starting depth chart, their projected depth chart with two edges. I'm not doing that. I've got, I've got a nose tackle, a defensive tackle, a defensive lineman that I guess would act as a defensive end in some cases, and then an edge rusher. So I've got Jason Jones and Emba when they're in that, that uh, alignment up front. At defensive tackle, this is going to be your three technique. I've got Marcus Harris. And Marquise Burks there. At defensive line, I have Colby Wooden, obviously, and Morris Joseph. Now, there, this is interesting because pretty much all of these guys can play in multiple places. And that's what makes this defensive line so fun. But to put it on a depth chart, you have to put it in certain ways. You can't just list eight guys in a row. I guess you could, but I don't think it's really accurate or fun to do it that way. But like Jeffrey Emba, I think, can play your, your shade. I think he can also play... Your, your three technique, lining up outside the guard. And heck, in some situations, he probably could line up as a five if you really wanted him to. I think there's other guys on the roster that are better at that, but I still think you could absolutely do that. Marcus Harris, same way. I think if you're going in a third and long situation, the more inside you can scoot him. And obviously, you can scoot him out wider as well if you need to. Marquise Burks, I think, is limited to either your defensive tackle or that shade nose that we see sometimes Colby Wooden can line up anywhere. And Morris Joseph, so versatile. We talked about this when he announced he was coming to Auburn. He's got one year left of eligibility, but pretty versatile dude. He played all over the place. And so 
We've heard nothing but really good things about how versatile Morris Joseph is. Probably a guy that we haven't talked about enough throughout fall camp here on this show, so I'm making sure to do that now. But I think all six of those guys are incredibly, incredibly, um, they just have an incredibly high upside is what I'm trying to say here. All right, at edge. Derek Hall, obviously, Eculiota, Dylan Brooks, and Marcus Bragg. I think there's a chance that Bragg passes Brooks by the end of the season in regards to what the rotation looks like. I don't think Brooks or Bragg will have a huge role this year unless something happens to Hall or Eku. God forbid that happened, but I think Bragg has impressed people more throughout fall camp than they were expecting. He's big. He looks the part. Weeks ago when I was kind of standing next to them while they were doing some edge drills, I was really, really impressed with his size. He looks the part more than Dylan Brooks does right now. We'll have to see. Dylan Brooks is a younger guy. He's going to grow into it over the course of the season. We'll see. But I would not be shocked if Marcus Bragg has more snaps this season at edge than Dylan Brooks. Is that a juicy take? I don't know. You can let me know in the comments or in the Discord. Um, But I, I think that is an interesting one to look at. At linebacker, I went chalk here. Owen Papo, Cam Riley. Those are going to be your top two. And then Wesley Steiner and uh, Eugene Asante rotating in. I can't wait to see what the subs look like, how often they rotate those guys in. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Owen's going to play a ton. Cam Riley and Wesley Steiner, what does that percentage look like? Uh, I'm not sure. I can't wait to see it. At corner. I have Pritchett and Simpson, and then behind them, I have DJ James and Keontae Scott. And then I also have AD Diamond written down. Um, he's a guy that I don't talk to a whole lot. Justin Ferguson brings him up whenever he comes on the show on Ferg Fridays. He's been high on AD Diamond for a little bit now. But I have AD Diamond as the fifth corner. But I think however they choose to use Keontae Scott will be very, very fun to see because they talked about how he can be used in different positions. Um, Jeff Schmetting talked about that in his media availability this weekend. And to me, it's like, oh, okay, he's a nickel, which is which is fun. We'll get to the nickel in just a second. At safety, I've got Zion Puckett and Caden Bridges as the starters. And then Craig McDonald being the guy behind Puckett and Marquise Gilbert being the guy behind Bridges. Do they platoon those guys in or do they rotate them? Once again, the rotation is going to be fun to see how they handle that against Mercer in San Jose State. And then does that kind of tip the cap of what they're going to do against Penn State, Missouri, and LSU? That'll be fun to see from a rotation standpoint. And then at nickel, Donovan Kaufman. I have J.D. Rim at second. And then I have Keontae Scott as the third nickel. So I have Keontae Scott as the fourth corner and the third nickel. Um, Heard just nothing, nothing but good things about him. At kicker, Anders Carlson. Punter, Oscar Chapman. Returning punts, I mentioned Javaris Johnson having different ways to help this team. I have him as the punt returner, which obviously his acceleration and his burst are things that you want in a punt returner. Um, I guess we feel okay with him back there as far as actually securing the punts. That's just always so nerve-wracking for Auburn people, I guess for any fan base. But yeah, I have Javaris Johnson as the punt returner. And then the kick returner, we saw them go through kick returning drills versus a scout team at the practice this past Saturday. And Damari Austin and Jarquez Hunter were the first unit back there returning kicks. And then Nehemiah Pritchett and Coy Moore were the second unit. So 
I went chalk for most of it. I changed where some guys are lining up on the defensive front differently than, than other folks have, but I don't think it really matters when it's all said and done. There's going to be so much rotation and so much movement on the defensive front and the linebacker situation. We will see Auburn use three linebackers some, but it, it won't be many. It'll be situational. As we all say, nickel is the new base. But the I, I guess the biggest thing from all of that that is still up in the air is Nick Brahms. You know, how, how does that news come out? Is that an official announcement that the, that the coaching staff will do? There's just so much rumor and so much hearsay going on about the state of his knees. And it sounds like it's a really painful thing that he's going through. And look, he's got a real career after football. Um, I don't think he sees himself playing football after the season. Like, I don't think he sees the NFL as an actual option. I think he wants to be a pilot, which is awesome. That is a super great career. And um, he'll, he'll make a lot of money and have a lot of job stability for the rest of his life doing that. And I think that is something that he's really, really considering. So I think Tate Johnson's the starting center there. And to me, those were the biggest things um, that, that I haven't seen everywhere. I've seen some places, but I haven't seen everywhere. And then, yeah, Coy Moore over Malcolm Johnson Jr. But if Coy Moore is not at practice for the next few days, how does that impact the depth chart? I don't know. I don't know. But that's obviously a big part of it. You want to finish out fall strong. I don't know if Coy will be able to do that. So we got to, we will pay attention to that. And later today, right, we will get access to another viewing period. And uh, team captains should be announced um, sometime. I believe that's today as well. So we're going to learn a lot of information between now and the end of this week. Some folks think that we may possibly hear the quarterback news later in the week. I think it'll be either, uh, I said today, um, now that it is today, I'm kind of wondering, ah, was I, was I a little too aggressive on that? But I still think uh, I, I, I'm going to stick by it. I'm going to stick by it. We'll have to see. But um, I will eat crow if I'm wrong on this. I just don't see the benefit of stretching it out, of waiting till later in the week or waiting even till next week to name the starting quarterback, unless you genuinely don't know. But of all the reports out there, and the way that the coaching staff has handled press conferences and media availability, it seems like they do know. And there's a chance they could be kind of, you know, doing a smokescreen thing, and maybe they're really trying to roll the carpet out for, uh, for Robbie Ashford. And boy, that would be exciting if they did. I'm just, I'm not there. I am not there and buying that quite yet. All right, in just a moment, I want to talk about this new NIL deal for five Auburn Tigers that I thought was, was really fun, and we'll uh, we'll talk about it next right here on Locked On Auburn. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get zero percent APR for 84 months, or up to thirty-three hundred dollars off select compact tractors. See the details at kubotaorangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Before we jump into this NIL deal, I want to make sure everybody knows about the Locked On Auburn Discord. It's free. There's over 1,100 Auburn fans chit-chatting in there pretty much nonstop. A lot of good scoop, a lot of good information, a lot of good 
debate, and you don't even have to like partake. You can just lurk and read it. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description or the show summary, depending on how you're consuming the show. It's free. All you have to do is click the link and join. So five Auburn offensive linemen, they signed an NIL deal with Hooters. Hooters came out and announced that they signed 51, 51 offensive linemen throughout college football. And so Auburn had five, LSU had a ton, Miami had a few, Georgia Tech, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, USF, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. So from all over the place, I guess mainly the Southeast there, but five Auburn players have been signed. Those players are Brandon Council, Keandre Jones, Court Bradley, EJ Harris, and Jaleel Irvin. So interesting group of five there that they pick from, but I guess their big thing is Hooters is talking about they want to redefine what the big man on campus looks like. So they rolled with with uh, with some of the, uh, I guess, 51 offensive linemen. And here's what the chief marketing guy for Hooters said. His name is Bruce. He said, for decades, the physical play, blue-collar mentality, and on-field leadership of the offensive linemen has shined. But national praise and attention for these crucial players have all too often been sidelined. So I, I think that's cool. I think that's cool. And this is what NIL at its core <laughs> was supposed to look like, right? Like brands partnering with certain groups or certain people throughout college football or on a certain team. And we had a few NIL firms that were early on in all of this come on the show and talk about, you know, brand deals and things like that. This is kind of what a lot of people thought it was going to look like. And then it became what it is with these collectives. And you essentially become signed by these collectives, which are agencies. And we all know kind of what it is now. But at its core, when when the folks that were pro-NIL years and years and years ago, they were all saying, use the Olympic model, which is, you know, you don't really get paid much to represent your country in the Olympics if you're a USA athlete, but you're able to, you know, do commercials or brand deals, partnerships, whatever it may be, this is what it was intended to look like. Um, it's become something else. Whether that's good or bad, we're not debating that here. I think it's fine for what it's worth, but um, I, I think this is great. This is a great opportunity for Brandon Council. It's a great opportunity for Court Bradley, EJ Harris, Jalil Irvin, and Keandre Jones. So props to all of those guys. There was one... Um, Somebody called them wingmen, which I thought was funny with the Hooters. Wingmen. Ha! Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. All right, so for the rest of the week, guys, we will have a War Report Wednesday tomorrow. We will have more camp news on Thursday. We may have an extra Thursday episode with John Garcia as well. And then we should get back on schedule with a Ferg Friday. And then we have open practice this Saturday. Anybody can go at Jordan-Hare Stadium. It'll be a ton of fun, really solid family event. We will kind of preview that later in the week. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. If you have and you've made it this far, please click the like button and the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on audio, would really appreciate a five-star review and however you're listening, it would mean an absolute ton. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.